0: This is a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org. Turn with me please in your Bible to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your remarkable love for us. We thank you for the truth of your gospel. We thank you that it doesn't change because you don't change. And we thank you that you are here with us now. Lord, bless us. Lord, speak to us. Lord, do what you need to do in our hearts and lives today. Amen. Well, as you know, we are looking at a number of different sessions from the book of Galatians. This is week three. And one verse which has come up time and time again over the last few weeks is an important one. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the gospel. That is the faith in which we stand. That is what matters. That is what is real. That is the truth that is unchanged throughout all ages, that Jesus came. That Jesus gave himself for our sins. He came to deliver us. He came according to God's will and for God's glory. That is the gospel. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. We're going to be thinking quite a bit about the gospel today because Paul seems to be at great pains to emphasize that the gospel is what is important. Paul again and again and again, both in the passage that Rob took us through last week and in the the bit that Mark looked at two weeks ago. Paul says the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. In verse 6, he says that he's astounded how quickly we throw away the gospel and we go on to other things. He says that there isn't another gospel, so why are you looking for something else? In verse 7, he points out how easily all of us try and distort the gospel. We know intuitively what's true, but it's not quite the way we'd like it, so we try and change it. In verse 8 and 9, he goes on to point out that this is not a clever thing to do. And repeatedly he says, you change the gospel, a curse on you. Not just, we wish you hadn't said that. Could you actually rethink again and maybe don't actually put too much emphasis in what you're saying in public? He says, those who change the gospel, let them be accursed. Paul takes this seriously. Paul takes the gospel very seriously, and we, we Christians, must take the gospel very seriously. You see, when I call you Christians, that's not just a label. We are followers of Christ. That's who Christians are. We are followers of Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us. We're not just friends who meet on a Sunday morning. This is serious. Because what he did for us is serious. The gospel is serious. We need to take it seriously. We need to be sure of what we stand for. We need to be what we are. We need to be what we stand for. The gospel is not just a matter of performance and not just a matter of preference. If anybody wants to go with a different gospel, that's their preference. But let them be accursed. The gospel is serious. Paul takes the gospel seriously and we need to take the gospel seriously. But before we can do that, we need to ask some fairly simple questions. Question one. What is the gospel? I haven't seen Denise today. But when we asked this question on Wednesday night at Life Group, she came back with a corker of a definition. I wish I'd recorded it. It really was good. But for our purposes today, The answer to the question, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is good news. It's always good news. If you are trying to portray a gospel that is actually not good news, it's just good instructions, it's just good guidance, it's just good advice, then that's not the gospel. The gospel is good news. I don't know how you choose to get your news, whether it's just on Twitter or whether you watch ZBC or whether you are one of these funky people who prefers foreign news. I don't mind. News is a statement, in theory, of what has actually happened. The gospel is good news. It is a statement of what has actually happened. So what is this good news? The good news, very simply, is that God loves sinners. And God demonstrates his love to them through the birth of Death, resurrection and glorification of His Son Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. that God loves sinners. First of all, the first thing is you would use is that God. The good news is that there is a God. We are not in this place just doing stuff. We're not just here on our own. There is a God. There is a God who loves us. There is a God who is bigger than everything we face. There is a God who is not phased at all by what we think is humongously huge because he is God. He is ultimate. Anything less than infinite is not God. Anything less than infinite beyond your comprehension, beyond your ability to even think about comprehending, is not worth your worship. But we serve an infinite, almighty, huge, humongous, mind-blowing, all-loving God who loves us. But he loves us unconditionally, unrelentingly, unflinchingly, and unrepentantly because we need it. Because we are sinners. God loves sinners. Rebellious treacherous, selfish, self-opinionated, convinced that we can solve our own problems, concerned, convinced that we can sort everything out for ourselves, sinners. Sinners who spend most of our time thinking we're not that bad. Most of our time thinking we're okay, we're not as bad as that guy. And We forget, Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the God who loves sinners loves all of us because we are all sinners. 1 John 1 verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're not deceiving anybody else. I know how good you look, but I also know because I'm also human that you're sinners. When we say we have no sin, we we deceive ourselves. There are some who believe that they were born morally neutral and that whether they turn out to be sinners or not depends entirely on what they decide to do with their lives. And those who say they are without sin deceive themselves. It's sad. Whether they are Islamic or whether they are modern 21st century liberal thinkers, it is sad because they are Self-deceived. Look at your own life. How good are you at living perfectly? We can't. If we say we can, we deceive ourselves. And to say that we are in that wonderful position of being able to look after ourselves is deception. But the gospel is good news. Because all have sinned, it is good news. If sin was something that just happened to that guy, it would be good news for him, but it wouldn't be good news for us. But the gospel is good news for all of us, because all have sinned, and therefore all receive this good news, the good news that God loves us, whatever we have done. Whenever we did it, how often we did it, how habitually we did it, how much we enjoyed it gospel is good news that he loves us and demonstrates his love to us jesus the only son of the father was born this is the gospel this is good news he was born of a virgin all those years ago back in bethlehem it's not a story it's not a fable it's the truth Jesus was not just a good man who managed to crack this life thing and lived so well that God said, well done, good and faithful. He was and is the only son of the living God. He was and is God himself. I do not understand how he was holy and properly man and holy and properly God, but that's the gospel. That is the truth that he was and is God. Not just a man. Holy man. But not just a man. He came, he was born because of God's love for us. And he was crucified to pay the price of our sin because of God's love for us. And he rose again on the third day, breaking the power of death and hell because God loves us. And he ascended into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of the father, where he's glorified and he's giving his father glory because God loves us. And he wants us to be in a position where we too can give glory to him. The good news is that God loves sinners and demonstrates his love for them through the birth, death, resurrection and glorification of his only son, Jesus Christ. And he wants you to be in a place where you can accept that love and where you can glorify him too. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Hallelujah. That the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever and ever and ever because he deserves it. So let's go on. Let's look at the rest of the chapter from where we've got to so far, starting at verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life uh, in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him to the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with any consult with anyone nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles apart from James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing, before God I do not lie. Then I went to the region of Syria and Silesia, and I was still unknown to the in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They're only hearing it said that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. The gospel is good news. Good news that he loves sinners and demonstrates his love for them through the birth, death, resurrection, and glorification of his son, Jesus Christ. But the gospel is not man's gospel. The gospel is given by God. It's not something which some clever person thought up. It's God's gospel. And Paul is very clear to point out that he didn't just think one morning while he was sitting in in his blind little room in Damascus that this would be a good idea. This was given by God. This is God's gospel. Church, I would encourage you to follow Paul here. The gospel you believe must be the gospel that you believe. It must be the gospel that you have got from God. As elders, we are warned that we are responsible for those that we are called to look after. That is scary. I'll be honest, as much as I love you guys, it scares me that I'm responsible for you. But I also know that you will stand before God based on what you believe. You will not be judged by God for what Rob, Taps, Simba, and myself believe. You will be judged for your own faith. Make sure that the gospel you believe Is not man's gospel, but that you received it, not from any man, nor were you taught it, but you received it through revelation from Jesus Christ. Make sure that it is yours. Thank you for being here. Thank you for trusting me to speak to you. Thank you for actually believing some of the stuff I say, but make sure it becomes yours. Make sure it becomes your gospel. Make sure that you totally embody it, because... It matters. It's good news to you. It's not good news just to me, which you can take along with. But it must be yours. You must make that time significant time to spend with Jesus so that he can reveal the gospel to you. You can get it beyond your ears, beyond your head, into your heart, that it can be really a part of you. Paul, in his story, As he's recounting it here, and as we see it earlier as well in the Bible in uh, Acts 9, once he encounters Jesus, okay, there's a bit of time where he can't go no place because he's blind, but then he spends quite a bit of time praying. Then as we cover a bit in this passage, he wanders off into the desert for three years to do what? To spend time. To spend time thinking. Time alone with God is important. If we don't spend that time with God, how are we going to hear what he is teaching to us? If we don't spend time with God, then we are bound to understand him and understand his gospel, or what we think is his gospel, through what we hear from other people. Make the time. Seek him daily. Make sure the gospel is not a gospel from man, but a gospel from him, because you recognize his voice. Margie's already mentioned Bible in one year. Sean's reading Genesis, so I know he's not doing Bible in one year. He's in another part of the Bible. That's okay, but they're making time. I didn't really want to mention this, but are there any Manchester United supporters here today? Lord, we pray for the salvation of the human... (laughs) Quick question, did you spend more time watching soccer or praying yesterday? You don't have to answer that. Uh, For those of you who disagree with people dressing up in in silly shirts just to watch other people the far side of the world, how many of you dressed up smart to watch a silly wedding? Did you spend more time with your television or with your Bible yesterday? Personally, it's about half-half because I had to prepare, so I had to put quite a bit of Bible time in. Set time apart. Take time. Yeah, real world. Spending three years in the desert is not something we often get a chance to do. But when you look at Paul and what Paul did, he did it because he knew Jesus, because he had spent time Jesus, because he had set time apart. Recognize that you, like Paul, have a reason for being here. Look at this passage here. Paul recognized that he had been set apart for his ministry before he was born. No, I don't want to talk predestination today. I just want to recognize how big God is. Some of you have had better weeks than others. I understand that. But before you were born, God set you apart for this week that you have just gone through. I don't have to understand why. I just have to remember how big God is and the fact that he is absolutely in control of everything that we do. He called you by his grace. It wasn't just a chance. It wasn't just a fluke. It was specific that by his grace, he looked at you and said, I want that one. And he was pleased to reveal his son to you. He didn't have to. God is God. He needs nothing from you. He doesn't need your repentance. He doesn't need your love. He loves your love. He loves the fact you give him glory. He doesn't need it. But he chose graciously to reveal his son to you in order that you might preach him. Tell others about him. Live for him. Glorify him. Be the Christian that you're called to be amongst everybody. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth, which includes Mazarabani. Wherever you are, that's what God called you for. And taking time with Jesus actually reminds us of this immensity of the fact that you have been set apart. You have been called You have had that revelation on your life and you do have a purpose. Get it into yourself. Get to understand this. Get that time with him in the quiet place saying, Lord, this is huge. And recognizing his love. So important. So important not to rush through our lives. Don't blame the 21st century for the fact you're busy. Recognize the importance of finding the space inside your busy because God is way more important. You see, Paul took three years before he bothered to go and talk to anybody else. He spent three years working out his faith. Three years to be sure of the gospel. Three years to make sure. Three years he had to make the time. But he didn't just stay in the desert. This is not a call to a monastic life. This is not a call to spend your entire life locked away in a cloister subway. This is a call to the gospel. The gospel that God loves sinners and demonstrates that love through the birth, death, resurrection, and glorification of his son. This is good news, and good news must be told. And so Paul comes out of the desert and comes back to Jerusalem. He doesn't immediately rush off and start evangelizing half the known world. He doesn't immediately grab his pen and start writing more than half of the New Testament. He comes back and does talk to people. He made the time to stop and to get the gospel deep into his soul. And then he made the time to go and talk to people. He had a couple of strong Christians who he could go and talk to. Cephas, same guy we call Peter, and James. He didn't go to the entire assembled multitude and say, I am the new apostle. He went to a couple of guys who he knew were strong in their faith and said, we assume he said, and certainly from what we're seeing, this is what the implication is. This is what I am understanding. This is the gospel I understand. This is what I believe God is saying Am I right? He didn't need their authority. Paul was called by God to do what God wanted Paul to do. Paul did not need Peter to say, okay, you can go and do it. Paul needed God's authority, but he knew the wisdom of talking to Christian friends who could speak into his life. Now, When we get on next week into Galatians 2, you'll see that Paul and Peter don't actually get on well. Lovely verse for those who are a little bit bolshy like me. They love this concept of Paul rebuked Peter to his face. Mr. Peter, you're the man, but you're wrong. Love it. Love it. And as Christians with nervousness, I must say that go for it. Thank you for respecting the eldership. Thank you for trusting us. Do not dare let us get anything wrong. If we get something wrong, best you tell us. Rebuke us. But as you go through your life, make sure you've got a few Christian friends with you. Your Paul's, your Paul for Paul, Peter and James, for you, whoever. Could be your purple book group. People who are with you people who understand what you're talking about people who are also Christians also imperfect but who are ready to rebuke you when you're wrong you don't need their authority you are a child of the living God but you need to hear his voice through them to correct you it's important to have that small little group around you we need to know each other. We need to know God's people and we need to know by, be known by them. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, we're reminded to stir one another up to love and good works. And how do I stir you up if I never talk to you? We're told not to neglect to meet together but to encourage one another. You're good at what you do. But how much better when we're doing it together? A lone ranger Christian is dangerous. And a lone ranger Christian is endangered. You need me and surely as the sun is shining outside, I need you. We won't always agree. And that is why we need each other. We need to spend time confirming our individual faith But we also need to think And realize that we are better together We can do so much more together than we can apart Just as Paul needed Peter and James So do we You might think that you're better off on your own I would suspect that you deceive yourself. I reckon Paul was a fairly switched on Christian, and he needed Peter and James. I need you guys. You need each other. You don't need a vast crowd. You don't need the whole assembled church. You need a small group you can talk to. 15 days. It wasn't just a, hi, you're well, good, good. Alan and Marudo aren't here today, so I can pick on them a little bit, or at least use them as an example. But I see Alan in the car park at work. Hi, Alan, how's it going? Marudo, doing good? Good. Love to food. Fifteen days. He spent time. Again, TAP started the purple book around this morning. Let me just carry on with it. An hour a week for 53 weeks, you begin to know each other. Again, you don't really fully know each other. But you get to the point where you're beginning to be honest with each other and you're able to sharpen each other up and get going forwards. You need that. I'm not saying Purple Book, by the way, is law. I'm not saying it's the only way, but you do need to have good Christian friends, not who are just going to be a, Yah, rah, 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 you're doing well, it's nice, but people who can challenge you, people who can get in your face and say, what's that? What are you doing? Make sure you know your own faith because it's what you believe that'll be the ground on which you stand. But make sure you have a few seasoned Christians with you who will listen to you and will challenge you. Sundays, life groups, Purple Book, just mates over coffee. We need each other. The gospel is good news. It's good news that changes our lives. It's good news that makes a complete difference to who we are. For Paul, he had been in a very different place before Jesus encountered him. Paul was a really strong Jewish believer. Sharp as they come, he knew his Old Testament scriptures really well. And as a result, he was convinced that Christianity was Wrong. And he set out zealously to destroy the early church. As he says in verse 13, he persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. it. wasn't a subtle undermining. He was in for the big time. He was the one who was supervising and making sure everything went according to plan when they were stoning Stephen. I don't know how many of you have attended a public stoning. It's not something we do every day. But stop and think about it. This is Saul, before he becomes Paul, before he becomes a Christian. He is there saying, make sure you stone this guy. Make sure that he dies. Not a nice guy. This is the man before he discovers the gospel. He was violent. He was zealous for his violent suppression of the church. And then in Acts 9, we read how God met him. And when he went traveling later, the people in Judea hadn't actually met him in person. They were only hearing that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. What changed? How did Paul the zealous, violent persecutor become Paul, the zealous, driven, incredibly gifted evangelist. The gospel. There is power in the gospel. There is power to change. There is power to make the old new. There is power to turn us around from who we think is the best we can be, to who God wants us to be. The gospel is good news because he loves us and demonstrates his love in such a wonderful way. And because of that love in our lives, we are changed. We are made new. We are brought into a new place. Gospel is so important because God's love is so huge and because we need it so much. Again, for those of you who watched television yesterday, you would have come across a quote that I hadn't heard before. But Martin Luther King said that we must discover the power of love, the power, the redemptive power of love. And when we discover that, we will be able to make of this old world a new world. We will be able to make men better. Love is the only way. The gospel is that God loves sinners. And that is the love that makes the difference. For MLK, going through all that he went through, he was seeing a lot more of the importance of reconciliation and the love of man to man and the ability for a nation loving itself to go forward how much more the love of God to make the difference. For the gospel is the good news that God loves sinners and demonstrates that love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What is the gospel to you? What are you believing? Is that it? Is your gospel nice and simple? Or have you, for your own comfort, tacked other bits on? There is nothing in that gospel statement that says, it is good news that you will have the power to live appropriately so that you could be a nice person. There's nothing even in that gospel statement that says God gives you the ability to be his servants. These are byproducts. The gospel is very simple. And so should our faith be. We get to deceiving ourselves about the gospel when we try to embellish and build on that gospel to get something which we understand. That simplicity is so big we're not going to understand it completely. Part of me wants to say we won't understand this side of heaven, but honestly, I don't expect to understand it when I get to heaven. When as believers we are brought into his presence in heaven, we have eternity to praise him. And if we already immediately knew everything, then what would we praise him for on day two? But as we begin to spend the whole of eternity discovering more and more and more of this incredible love. We will want to praise Him more and more, and we will glorify Him, and we will just see more and more. The gospel is unchanging. He is still the God who loves us, He is still the God who sent His Son. He is still the one who makes all the difference, and He always will be. Always, forever, and ever. And ever. Our choice say that's nice or say thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. To you be glory forever and ever. Amen. We have been listening to a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org.